You are listening to the Salvation Army Disaster Radio, covering all things related to emergency management, disaster services, and the Salvation Army. Jeff, today's podcast is part 10 of our ICS Hendecagon, and we have just one more function to cover on our ICS team, safety. Yeah, whoever thought it was a good idea to do an 11-part podcast series? Oh, brother. Yeah, next time, all of our podcasts are going to be three-step processes. Max number of episodes, three. Uno, dos, tres. Exactly. (laughs) So the safety function and the position of the safety officer seems to be a pretty clear assignment. The safety officer is responsible for identifying potential safety hazards on a disaster operation and recommending corrective actions. The safety officer ensures, as much as possible, that disaster workers and those the Salvation Army serves are not carelessly hurt or otherwise endangered. Yeah, it does sound simple, Christy, but safety also has a lot of responsibility. For example, only the safety officer has the authority to immediately halt practices which are potentially dangerous and to suspend operations if safety and security are compromised. That means there is the potential for conflicts between the safety officer and the other ICS section supervisors or even the incident commander. But it is the safety officer's responsibility to put a stop to a practice before someone gets hurt. For instance, if the safety officer sees a stack of boxes haphazardly loaded onto a truck to the point where one of those boxes could easily fly off the vehicle while the truck is moving, endangering other motorists, well, he or she can immediately put a halt to the shipment until the boxes are reloaded correctly. Absolutely. As I like to say, if your disaster operation is a swimming pool, then think of your safety officer as the lifeguard on duty. When he or she sees something dangerous going on, the whistle blows and everything stops until that safety issue is resolved. Yeah, that's a good analogy, Jeff. I know. In fact, I almost wore my bathing suit today for this podcast, so the idea of the safety officer being a lifeguard would be stuck with people forever. When analogies turn into jokes, that's where you stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking how grateful we all are that this is an audio cast I'm and not video. I'm telling you, it would stick with you. <laughs> So, Christy, there are five areas, or five areas of dreadful doom, as I like to call them, where safety officers really need to focus their attention. These are the areas where safety risks are most likely to occur or where there is the greatest potential for accidents. Okay, the first of those five, I would guess, is motor vehicles, be it car, truck, canteen, or forklift even. Without exception, this is where our greatest risk lies and the greatest potential of accidents. I think it's fair to say that on almost every major incident, we have some kind of motor vehicle accident. It's so important to take care when driving in a disaster area. You'll find tree limbs and power lines down or flooded waters. And I should add that driving through flood waters is not simply bad for your vehicle. It is also incredibly dangerous, and accidents involving vehicles in flood waters often lead to death. Yeah, just a few inches of water can actually shift a vehicle right off the road. You've got to make sure that only licensed and approved operators get behind the wheel of canteens, forklifts, or any vehicles requiring a license. And if accidents do occur, it is the job of the safety officer to report and document the accident immediately to who? The finance and admin section, no matter how minor. Absolutely. The second area safety officers have to be concerned about is facilities. Now, when you're operating in a disaster area, you often don't have a lot of option when it comes to available facilities. Some facilities might even be partially damaged by the event. Uh, But the safety officer does need to inspect these premises and assess any possible safety hazards. And there are a couple areas that I like to point out as being very important. The first, obviously, is structural damage. Now, that doesn't mean you... 
need to avoid the building entirely, but you might want to check it out first to make sure that the ceiling isn't compromised or one of the walls are in bad shape or windows are blown out and there's fallen glass laying around. The second thing, once you've moved into a building, obviously since a disaster, some of these buildings may have been vacant for a long time. We're taking what we can get. Make sure there's no mold or other ventilation issues. We don't want to put people in there if they're going to inhale stuff that is eventually going to make them sick. And then after you start getting in and start setting up, man, a couple simple things. One of the biggest hazards within any facility we occupy is all those cords and wires we leave laying all over the floor. Potential trip hazards, go ahead as a safety officer, make sure those are taped down, and then make sure you have appropriate safety equipment. Even if you're only going to be in a building for a couple of months, make sure there are smoke alarms, make sure you have a fire extinguisher, just in case. Let's talk food safety. Obviously, the Salvation Army doesn't want to serve food that will make anyone sick. But even under the best conditions in a restaurant kitchen, there are plenty of ways food can become unsafe. In a disaster, it's even tougher. That's why the Salvation Army has adopted the Serve Safe Food Safety Practices developed by the National Restaurant Association as the best way to keep food safe and uncontaminated. The safety officer needs to work directly with the operations chief to make sure food is kept safe throughout the food delivery stage. Storage, preparation, and service processes, it's a whole circular dynamic. This means, for example, that the safety officer might be checking storage areas to ensure that they are pest-free or checking air temperatures in a refrigerated trailer to make sure food is being kept cold. Or even carrying around a food thermometer to check that hot food is being held at the proper temperature. Hot food hot, cold food cold. We all know that phrase. (laughs) Yeah, and if you don't, you should be taking our serve safe classes. Look for those on the training page. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Uh, Let's not forget about the people who actually eat that food, in particular our own personnel. A safety officer needs to consider how best to address injuries or illnesses on site. Now, in the non-disaster world, this is pretty easy. If somebody gets sick or hurt, you immediately dial 911. But in a disaster site... 911 may not be available or may be a long time in coming. And so the safety officer needs to figure out if somebody does need medical attention, what's the best way to make that happen? He or she needs to look at those environmental hazards that could pose a potential uh, threat. And then also, uh, they need to also be one of those safeguards for the mental stress or the emotional wear and tear that occurs on people working in a disaster situation. And if somebody's looking fatigued, particularly if they're operating the forklift, maybe it's time you make sure they take an enforced break. Mm -hmm. And the fifth and final area relates to security. Unfortunately, crime, no matter where you live, is a part of life, and we do have to be careful, especially during a disaster. So when some things can appear pretty desperate, you've got to take appropriate security precautions. First, there's security in shelters. People don't change habits when they come to live in your shelters. If they drank or did drugs before, they'll want to do the same in their new home. And then let's talk about service delivery sites. People who are waiting in line for food may get restless or frustrated, not only by what they're having to go through in those moments, but the entire burden that the disaster has placed on them. So often that frustration can lead to anger, and that becomes serious very quickly. So last example for today, but certainly there are more, you have to be ready to provide security during the disaster workers' off-duty hours as well. When disaster workers go out and provide 
provide service all day long. It is incredibly inspiring and fulfilling, but you get home, you're tired and exhausted. You want to know that that place is a refuge and you are safe and secure as you put your head on the pillow at night. Absolutely. And that security could be at a hotel or other location. So, Jeff, with all of this information, can you just tell us what does a typical day for a safety officer look like then? Well, it is important for the safety officer to look at the mechanics of the disaster operation. For example, checking to see if a building is a fire extinguisher, and if so, does it work? But more importantly, the safety officer has to be constantly moving about, assessing what people are doing, and looking for instances where a safety concern might be present. He has to be a constant, objective observer. So if your safety officer spends more time in the incident command than in the field, you've got a serious problem. First of many, he's probably out of touch with safety issues within the response operation. Yeah, there's actually a good quote from a guy named Jeff Cooper on this. He said, safety is something that happens between your ears, not something that you hold in your hands. It's imparting that attitude to people at every level of the disaster operation to always, always be careful, to always consider the safety aspects of a task before you do it. That is the most important responsibility of a safety officer. It's changing that corporate culture of the disaster operation to always look at the safety factors before you do something. You know, you're never the most popular person when you have to be the one to say to people over and over again, don't do that. You'll get hurt. Don't do that. You may hurt someone else. Sound like my mother. (laughs) Quit fooling around before you poke your eye out. Exactly. (laughs) But safety is a critical part of the overall disaster operation, and it doesn't sound like just anyone can do the job. You really need a trained technical expert to do it right. You got it, Christy. As we say in the safety business, working safely may get old, but so do those who practice it. I think that's very apropos, knowing that you just turned 40 a few weeks ago. That is correct. And, uh, <laughs> practice safety, practice my friend. Practice safely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Disaster Radio. We welcome your questions or comments. Send us an email at disasterradio at uss.salvationarmy.org. And remember, it's easy to support the Salvation Army. To donate time, money, or materials, Go to www.salvationarmyusa.org or simply call 1-800-SAL-ARMY.